0: Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tea to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players, from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy.
1: All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Roderico, and right alongside this week, I promised you she'd be coming back, uh, is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and my partner in crime. Good morning, Cindy, and welcome. Good morning, Ted. I'm back. You're (laughs) back. They 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 said you left me. They left me left me on the tracks, but uh, you're back. So I I.
2: Important things to do. I went to uh, PGA National where the LPGA Northeast Mm -hmm. played against the Southeast, and we were down ten to six after the first day, and of course we came back and held on to our trophy and kicked their butts, which was good. And wow. That morning I was on a plane, and then last week I was in Delray Beach at Seagate Country Club teaching the KPMG, PGA, LPGA, Golf Clinics for Women, and I was on a plane coming home. So forgive me for missing you, but um, I had two important (laughs) things to do. I'm back, though. Yeah, you were spinning
1: as usual. Yeah, exactly. we got a great show, and as usual, you were spinning a lot of plates, uh, so you're forgiven. Yeah, we got a great show. We're um, going to feature another tour player, uh, Rachel Rohana. We're going to bring her out here in just a second. Uh, she's our latest uh, graduate from the Symmetra Tour, and she's heading out uh, next year on uh, the LPGA Tour to battle it out with some of the best in, the, in uh, women's golf. Uh, but let me just tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll bring her on, and then I'll let you guys continue asking her a question off air. Uh, she's uh, been playing golf since about the age of seven. And uh, her uh, Symmetra Tour victories, she had two wins, so the 2017 Symmetra Tour Championship and the 2015 Guardian Retirement Championship at Sarah Bay. Uh, In a nutshell, her 2021 season, she had 19 events that she played in, made 17 cuts, and total earnings for the season was just a little over $75,000. She also recorded four top 10 results, including season best runner-up at the uh, Danielle uh, Downey Credit Union Classic and the Twin Bridges Championship. Ultimately, she finishes in the 10th spot uh, for the race for the card money list to earn her LPGA Tour membership for 2022. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, uh, Rachel Rohana.
2: Good
3: morning. Hi, Ted. Good morning, Cindy. How are you guys? (laughs) We're good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I just, I I want to also kind of apologize. Oh. I was just going to say, no, go ahead, I, go I do have, I've had a scratchy sore throat the last couple of days, so just I'm going to apologize if I start losing my voice uh, towards the end of this, but I think I'll be okay. <laughs>
1: well, as long no as you worries. can last 30 minutes, we're good. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. No, that's good. Listen, we, we're all like that. Um, Cindy, go ahead. You were asking her something uh, just before we, we get into it. You were asking her something about her uh, collegiate uh, uh, time, and, and you were asking her something specifically. But, so go ahead.
2: Well, number one, I'm a good friend of Therese Hessians, but our son went to Ohio State for two years and then transferred to Augusta State. But I texted Jamie and asked him if he knew you, and he said no, but he thinks he might know your cousin or your brother. Do you have a brother, Robert?
3: Yes, I have a cousin, Robert, and he would be four or five years older than me. So I'm not sure how old Jamie is, but um, he might have been closer to in age with uh, with Robert, who played at actually Penn State, um, and played a Got little it. bit on the Latin American tour. So, yeah, a lot of people, especially the guys, know my cousin, um, you know, really good, really talented player, and about four or five years older than me.
2: That's probably what happened, because I knew that you yeah. went there, and I was like, oh, and anyway. So congratulations. <laughs> Let's talk about you. Um, Thank you. How excited are you?
3: Oh, my gosh. Well, um, <laughs> you know, it's hard to always put that into words, I feel like. Um, obviously, I can say I'm super excited, super excited, but um, it's just, it's something I've been working at for a while and especially after I lost my card two years ago Um and I know this sounds kind of crazy, but I'm really excited that we have childcare next year, uh, for my daughter who's, who's about three and a half. So, um, that, that's something that, that, uh, is, is pretty cool too. I'll be able to experience, you know, tour life with her and she'll be able to kind of experience the, the childcare part of it and grow up with a lot of the girls and I got boys in there. Um, so. I'm just, I'm just super excited, though, to get back and um, competing on the LPGA.
2: How hard is it to keep your focus when you have a family and children <laughs> and dividing up your, your time and your boundaries? Tell us what that's like. Well, definitely dividing up the
3: time. Um, it's funny you mention that because just the other day, Katherine Perry, uh, who plays Katherine Hansky who plays on the on the LPGA as well, who has a little boy who's about 14 months, messaged me the other day and said, "Hey, like, you know, how how do you juggle and balance the time for practicing, working out, being a mom, all this stuff?" And um, especially because um well my husband you know he runs a runs a a butcher shop and we raise cattle as well so it is difficult whenever you know both both parents are are doing their their own thing and then obviously we're raising a kid as well and I think balancing the time of working out and practicing and playing and being a mom is the hardest part of it um And it really is just like, you know, sometimes she has to run with me to the golf course to practice. Sometimes, you know, I'm lucky I have a a pretty big um, field right in front of our house, so I'll hit balls out into it. She'll come with me and look for the balls. (laughs) It kind of turns into a fun game for her at least. Um, She does workouts with me sometimes. You know, I think the age that little John, Catherine's son, right now, he's 14 months, I think that was kind of the hardest age because, That's when they want to be entertained, but they don't really understand. No, they don't understand, hey, can I just go over to this bookshelf and knock everything off of it while you're trying to, like, you know, get in that workout or get in a little bit of indoor putting or something. Um, So that's definitely the hardest part. You also mentioned about, like, focusing. Um, I will say this, and it kind of sounds a little, I guess, counterintuitive, but, you know, I think I was somebody who always, um and really anybody on who's playing, you know, at the professional level, you're giving career your hundred percent attention, and focus. But sometimes as you guys would know, golf becomes pretty mental. Um, so it's actually mm-hmm. kind of helped me quite a bit to to almost really separate, you know, home life, my family life and my career. And I now seeing that there's different obviously newer more important priorities in life um and it almost has taken a lot of tension and stress off of me when i'm out on the golf course and i think emotionally and mentally i'm a much better player because of that uh you know i'm, I'm out there playing i get a bogey okay it's not the end of the world you know um uh, looking back just to when i earned my card and we had a ceremony and it was like one of the best days of my life and everything, I get back to the hotel with my daughter and she had been complaining about her finger for like a day straight. Well, here she ends up having an abscess and <laughs> an infection. I didn't mm. even sleep that night. I was out at Walmart at like four in the morning messaging our mm. tour doc. Cause I'm like the pediatrician's not open yet. I mean, so, you know, you, you try to balance it. And, um, like I said, it's, it's kind of, uh, definitely took taken a lot of stress and tension off of me while I'm on the golf course.
2: (laughs) I think it's almost Mm. a blessing. Mm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we were just as surprised as everyone else. Whenever we found out we were pregnant (laughs) and, um, (laughs) you know, we, we were obviously extremely excited and it's so funny because I think, um, you know, a lot of people come up to me and even before we were pregnant you know, we had been married for five years, but it's something as a female professional golfer, I'm sure in any industry or any career that you're doing, you think, okay, when's good timing to have a baby? I mean, especially now whenever, you know, you're trying to work full time and raise a family and balance everything. Um, But that's one of the things that goes through your head. It's like, oh, okay, when's good timing? I mean, I've had, I can't tell you how many players come up to me and ask, hey, like, when did you decide? And I said, look, like, you know, this was all God's (laughs) plan. This was not our plan. Like, you know, we didn't know, like, um, so it just had, you know, sometimes it just happens. And I, it's so funny, because you stress about that, you worry about it so much. And then when we found out, I mean, we were nothing but excited. And, you know, it never once crossed my mind. Once I found out I was pregnant, hey, you know, maybe I can't do this anymore. Maybe I can't play. It just, I mean, it was just like a natural thing for me to think, oh, this is going to be so much fun to continue my career and be able to travel with my daughter and have her experience these things as well. So, um, like I said, it wasn't, I, I was really shocked. I was, I thought maybe I would question things more, but it never, never once crossed my mind at all. And, you know, I'm very fortunate with my family, my husband, my husband's family, Um you know, we all kind of take turns with helping each other with all kinds of things. And, you know, my mom and my mother-in-law are very, very involved with helping with uh, Jamelia as well. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's it's pretty cool, though, to, and she, G just, we call Jamelia, we call her G, she just kind of goes with the flow, and she seems to like it a lot. So, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting, though, to take her to all kinds of places
2: next year. Well, God bless all of you. That's going to be
1: great. Um, yeah, you know it, it, it's it's funny. I was going to ask you which you know you mentioned that your husband uh, obviously uh, runs a butcher and and a shop and and then also raises cattle. And I was going to ask you which was tougher, raising the cattle or, or kids? But I think you answered. <laughs> that. I think that I think the kids probably a lot tougher than the cattle. Um, but you, but know you know what? What's Sometimes
3: I'm not sure. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i, I, just I said, know, sometimes listen, I, I'm not I sure <laughs> yeah i mean I, I'm sure there's there's to balancing that, but you know to really put things in perspective though and 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 i I mean this respectfully to your husband, you know his part is much shorter in the beginning, um you've got to carry that that little one inside of you for for nine months, and you've got to go and battle it out on tour which is very difficult in itself. I mean, there's obviously some excitement. Hey, I'm pregnant and, you know, looking forward to it. But then as time progresses on, you know, you're out there over putts and suddenly you don't feel good because maybe you're having a little morning sickness or whatever. Um, you know, that's, that's tough for you because his part's done until the child comes and, of course, he helps <laughs> raise it. that. But, no, but you know what I mean? Like, so th- that's a challenging – that's a long time. And, and you mentioned off-air – that you had your child around uh, in 2017, right, when, when you won the Tour Championship. How far along were you in that event? Um, were you just about due at that time, or did you have it just before the event, or, or how did that uh, oh, sort of pan no.
2: out?
3: So, um, so actually, I was only six weeks along in 2017 at the Tour Championship, so okay. I didn't know at the time I was pregnant, but that first trimester is the roughest, and i'm not sure Mm -hmm. if cindy's had the same experience but um i think you know once you kind of go through the pregnancy in my experience at least the first trimester was probably the hardest i was pretty lucky i never really got sick um i got sick one day and it was the day transitioning from like um the the first trimester to the second trimester Um, but even Mm. like you know i never really had cravings. the only thing that and this is actually how i knew I was pregnant it was after I won, I went to Starbucks to get uh, a caramel macchiato. And that was, the. I almost <laughs> threw up on the, on the counter. Cause all of a sudden I'm like, what's just like, like I could drink 10 Starbucks a day or 10 coffees a day. And so I go to get a caramel <laughs> macchiato and I was like, oh my gosh. And I forced myself to get it. I drank like two sips of it on the plane. I was so sick. My mom was with me and I kept thinking. So this was the other funny thing so i just flown back from new zealand for an lpg event literally flew straight to florida teed it up i was we had we were rained out one day the one day i played 31 holes and i mean talk about Mm. jet lag that first trimester sleep that that 31 holes it was raining And I was like, I am so exhausted, and I was craving pickles and red Gatorade, and I kept thinking, I am so dehydrated that this is what my body is craving. And um, so then when I wanted, like, after I won, I went to get the Starbucks, and I wanted to, like, just, you know, throw up all over the counter. I was like, something is not right. And then we landed in Pittsburgh at, like, 1 a.m., and all I wanted was a chef salad. And I'm like, I have – never wanted a chef salad before in my life but I kept thinking, <laughs> Man, New Zealand and jet lag has throwing me way off. So I go to our sheep gas station at one in the morning you get a chef salad. And I'm like, This is so unlike me and then two days later I'm like, you know, I better make sure I'm not pregnant and sure enough, I was like going counting everything I'm like, I'm six weeks pregnant. So, um, it was mm. it was pretty, pretty funny. But Uh, you know, you were talking about how, you know, you're pregnant for nine and a half months, whatever, and your body's changing and then afterwards. And so that was actually one of the hardest things was I was always a longer ball hitter. And, um, while I was getting pregnant, obviously the bigger I was getting, the more distance I was losing and I competed Mm -hmm. up until 27 weeks. Um, and then I came back four weeks after having my daughter. So you know, I was pretty lucky. I had a great pregnancy. I had, you know, a really good delivery and everything. So I was able to kind of bounce back pretty quickly. But um I will say the distance control and Cindy you know and Ted you would know. I mean, that's one of the most mm-hmm. important things you need while you're playing, especially professionally or any top level, is that precise distance control. Well you know, yep. I would catch a nine iron 145 one time and I catch it 130. So that was the hardest thing, I think, while towards the end of my pregnancy and right after for about a year was really getting that distance control back down. You know, I'm switching shafts, I'm switching all kinds of things. So um, building up more strength again. So that was probably the hardest thing.
1: So let me ask you the all important question: Can you now once again drink caramel macchiatos?
3: <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Um,
1: okay. I've already all had right, so.
3: one today. So.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right. So you're nor- so you're normal again. Okay. So that's good. Um, yes. No. You know, it's interesting because, and the reason why I wanted to, you know, I'm glad you, you talked about this is because, you know, we've had, as I mentioned to you, uh, Rachel, off air before we we came on that, you know, we've, we've interviewed a, a number of uh, young girls from the Symmetra Tour, but we really, I think maybe, I, I, don't, I can't even think of one off the top of my head that was in a similar situation to you that, you know, had already had a, started a family and that sort of thing. So I, I don't think people out there really appreciate, you know, it's not like you're a weekend golfer and you're just, you know, playing once in a while and, you know, it's a little bit different. You, this is your career and you've got yeah. to juggle and balance everything um, as you said, you know when, when your child is 14 months and then three years old, they have specific needs, and you know they don't care that you're out battling it out, you know against uh, you know 100 other ladies or what <laughs> have you on you know on, on you know Thursday to Sunday or what have you. Um, you know they want what they want and they want it now. And so it's mm-hmm. difficult. I mean, obviously, I know your husband plays a role, too, and, and other family, as you said, so it makes a difference. But it's interesting to hear that perspective because I don't think people really appreciate what it is that specifically you ladies have to go through and uh, juggling career and, and everything else. So I want to talk to you. I want to, while well, we still have some time here, I want to go through uh, a little bit um, of your season. Give us an idea of 2021. You didn't have a win on 2021, but you still finished in the top ten. Uh, to earn your card, Mm -hmm. Um, and you did have some runner-ups, which was good, and and, uh, obviously a number of top 10s. How would you rate your season overall? How do you feel? Would you feel like you played really well, but maybe just didn't quite get that last putt in to to get the win uh, on those runner-ups? Or or what was the overall uh, feeling of your season?
3: Um, Yeah, you know, that's – I I like how you kind of – you worded that because I do – I feel like I kind of play like a B-plus season this year um you know i would say yes my ultimate goal finish top 10 get to the lpga obviously i i achieved that and i'm ex- extremely happy and super excited about that mm-hmm. um but going into this season i think you know i really wanted to get at least one win in the back of my head i one of my goals was to get two wins in there and um i didn't do that i put myself in contention you know multiple times and um the mm-hmm. first one was actually at the french lake resort the um and we we were actually leading going into the final day and the way that the forecast was looking like i everybody was like oh we're going to get rained out it's never you know we're never going to get this in blah 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 and then all of a sudden everything cleared up so that was kind of that was a good teaching t- moment for me was hey my mind was already thinking we're not playing, you know, the final day. Um, I kept telling myself, you can't think that way, you can't think that way. But, I mean, if you had seen the forecast, if you had seen what we had already dealt with, um, you would think, yeah, there's no way we're going out there. And it sounded like they were about to call it, and then the last minute everything just disappeared. So, I, you know, I still Mm -hmm. I went out there, I think I birdied two of the first three holes or maybe the first two holes. So I had a pretty good lead, and I felt really comfortable. I mean, I think – it's weird. I think off the course I was getting a little nervous, but once I got on the course, I felt so comfortable with my game, with my putting. Um, my caddy was doing a great job, and I would by no means say that I lost it. I mean, I birdied the 17th hole to get back within one shot. Um, and then the 18th hole I hit a good tee shot, good second shot, and I don't know if you've ever been out on that Donald Ross course, but, I mean, you can hit a great second shot and end up 120 feet from the hole. And that's basically what happened. Um and mm. Casey Danielson, who ended up winning, <laughs> I still say to myself, mm. I can't believe she went for that shot to that back pin. You know, so whether it was on purpose or <laughs> by accident, I mean, what it was an amazing shot. She hit it to about 10 feet. So, you know, I have 120 feet or it might have been about 80 feet. She had about a 10 footer she had a one shot lead. So, I mean, she played great. I can't say I lost it by any yep. means. You know, I, I got outplayed that day and that that just happens. And, um, that's something mm-hmm. that, you know, I think after nine years of professional golf and, you know, 20 plus years of competitive golf, you learn that you're not always, it's not always about, Oh, you lost it. You choked, whatever. I mean, I played great. I think I shot even that last day I was outplayed by Casey. Um, and then going to, you know, the next, week I think it was was um oh I'm sorry French Lick I think I ended up finishing third um I think Beth Wu jumped in there but then the other two events uh, the Daniel Downey Classic I think I was in second and we got rained out for the last two rounds so I really never had an opportunity to come back on that one and then the Twin Bridges in Albany um that one you know I was playing against basically Lilia Vu and I were going back and forth and um you know, it came down to the final hole, and she actually hit a very poor shot to the, towards the green and missed the green, and I thought I hit a great shot right at the pin, and gust of wind came up and knocked it down, and, um, you know, she had a much more difficult up and down than I did, and she put it to about four feet, and I left mine about ten feet short, um, and she made hers, and I missed mine, so, you know, again, like, I was, it was coming down to the, to the last hole, but... Uh, you know, I felt, I felt like I was probably striking the ball better than she was. She just made more putts than I did. And, um, you know, I think that it's funny though, because I think looking at my stats, my putting stats look to be some of the best stats, you know, from the season. Um, but that's going Mm -hmm. back to saying like, you know, I kind of felt like it was a B plus game for me this year. And, um, I didn't think I played out of my mind. I felt like I just played okay. And, to think that I just played okay and finished top 10 on Symmetra. I mean, I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty good. Either I played much better than I thought, or, you know, I have still a lot of room for improvement and maybe I'll do even better next year on LPGA. But um no, it was, it was overall, it was a great season though. And, um, you know, I think I learned a lot more from probably my failures than what some people might've said were my, you know, my better weeks. Um But yeah, it was, it was good overall. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to working some more in the off season and taking it out next year on LPGA.
1: Yeah, and though that's well said, you know, you're exactly right. You, your, your teachable moments are from your losses, not your wins. Um, you know, obviously everything's gelling and and um, things are, are are on the right track, if you will, when the win happens. But when you don't win, that's when you really Sort of dig deep and say, okay, what happened here? What you know? And not that you want to right. overassess it, but you want to you want to sort of find out what the areas that let you down um, in that particular tournament. Um, Cindy, mm-hmm. go ahead.
2: If you were to give some advice to someone who just graduated from college mm-hmm. and they want to turn pro and try playing, you know on Symmetra or maybe another mini tour and get to Symmetra to eventually get to the LPGA tour, what would you tell mm-hmm.
3: them? Um, you know, I just shared this quote the other day on, on, um, on Instagram. It was fail early, fail often, fail forward. And I just, I love that quote and it, I hope it doesn't come off too negatively, you know, to use that word fail. Cause I don't think that's really a negative term, but term, but, you know, coming out of college and going to turn professional, you're playing with the best of the best. I mean, you know, you're looking at, I feel like between LPGA and Symmetra Tour, so, many, so much of the talent overlaps, and it's, it truly is. It comes down to a lot of luck, and it comes down to just, you know, being able to hit the right shot at the right time. But um, like you said, Ted, like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. look, really learn from your mistakes, learn from what, you know, maybe you feel like you failed at, Um, you're not going to win every event you can't, you know, I think as golfers, being a perfectionist is great to practice, but that's kind of our downfall when we take it out on the course. I mean, at least for me and I think life and golf has taught me, you can't be a perfectionist. So, um, and I think that a lot of, um, especially women pros kind of probably put themselves in that category as being a perfectionist and that's something you kind of have to just let go of, um unless like i said the only time it i think it benefits you is when you're out practicing um mm-hmm. but you know try to pick and and i also think too something that a lot of people don't do and i didn't do it for the longest time and um you know pay attention to what your playing competitors are doing don't be afraid to ask them like hey how did you hit that shot um not everything's going to work perfectly for you but i think that you can learn a lot especially from players who who kind of have an opposite game of you, somebody who might be able to complement your game, um, kind of pay attention to what they're doing. And, you know, if you have to let it kind of go through one ear and out the other, you got to, you know, learn to filter that. But, um, you know, I've asked players before, hey, how did you hit that chip shot? Or how did you <clears throat> hit that wedge shot or that bunker shot? That's something that I feel like I can always work on to get better at with my game. Um, and, you know, you might have to step out of your comfort zone. I mean, that's something I had to do. I had to kind of switch around, um, instructors and equipment and it's hard to do, but you know, it's something that Mm -hmm. sometimes you might have to do and, uh, just try and, you know, focus on the good of it and, um, you know, and, and take that on. But if, if professional golf is something that you aspire to do, just stick with it. You're going to have hard years. It's, you know, looking back at my first year on tour, it was like, I think I made $5,000 and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, I, I mean, it still never crossed my mind I can't do it, but it was like, wow, okay, you have a lot to work on. And um yeah. I looked at, you know, each thing and that's just I think that's that's going to be
2: a key to making you a better player. That's great. Thank you, Ted.
1: Um yeah, I couldn't agree more and and you know, I think it's it, you know, the self-evaluation I think is is what's really important because a a lot of times players get out there and you're right in in your analogy that I think it's good to be, you know, somewhat of a perfectionist in your practice, um, Mm regimen. But when you get on course, you have to trust what you've, what you've just been working Mm -hmm. on, is going to carry out on the golf course and not sit there and, you know, the first time you you get into trouble, you start thinking, okay, well, I got to do this or no, maybe I wasn't doing that right. And then you start to overanalyze yourself. And then next thing you know, you you get paralyzed out in the golf course because you're now overthinking the process. So, you know, if you're, you know, hitting a little extra fade that day and it's not really what you wanted, just go out and work with it the best you can And hopefully it's going to serve you well but if you start tinkering around and I know at the professional level you don't see that as often um, as you do at the amateur level but there are pros that do that and you mentioned something too and I just want to sort of end with this and you talked about the mental side of things a little bit and as you look back um, you know at, at various moments in your career if you had the opportunity to step out outside of yourself in other words if you're inner being was able to step outside and look at you and say, okay, here's what I've noticed, what would you say or what would you advise yourself?
3: Hmm. You know, I actually think it it would, going back to maybe my college career, um, I would love to be able to step outside and say, hey, look, you know, and I had a a neck injury that I kind of dealt with for the majority of it. Um, I felt like I had a very underachieving college career. But I think I wish I could have gone back and said, hey, like, look, you have a a physical injury. You're making this, you know, become a mental thing now. And it really mentally got to me. Um, And it just kind of made me, I thought, a worse player. Um, So I wish I could go back in time and try to tell myself to enjoy that time more, those four years, to to just, you know, really focus on taking care of the injury and not letting it creep into the mental part of the game. Um, And I think that's something that's probably not talked about very much. I think a lot of players will struggle with a physical injury and then it turns into something mental for them. Um, But at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's kind of like, you know, I'm kind of glad I went through that because now I know for the future, okay, look, if, if something's bothering you, if it's a physical injury, maybe you need to take care of that. Um, and don't let that creep into your swing, into your mental game. Um, and I think that you know that was probably some of the darkest time for me mentally uh, with my with my golf game was college, which is unfortunate because you know it's such a fun time, and I really did enjoy my time at Ohio State. But um, golf wise, it was it was very difficult mentally. So I think that would probably have been. Um, the time that I would go back to and and tell myself, hey, you know, snap out of it. Let's take care of this injury. Get your mental game back to a good, you know, in a good place. And um, let's just focus on having a good couple years at at Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, some great advice that you gave uh, to yourself. Uh, I think you're exactly right. You know, injuries are going to happen anytime you're you're involved in uh, a sport to the level that you are, Mm um i mean i think almost every player we've had on here has had something whether it's a foot an ankle a wrist or something mm-hmm. uh in your case it was it was your neck um but that's something you're going to have to deal with if you're going to play at a competitive level it's just going to happen it's you know our bodies can do so much uh but you know sometimes we overdo things or mishaps happen and and uh you have to deal with that but you're right i think it's the mental side that can really uh, mm-hmm. make or break a career because uh, injuries are, are, are part of the, you know, part of the package, if you will. Um, but it's mm-hmm. how you handle it, how you cope with it. That's, that's going to decide moving forward. Well, Rachel, we want to thank you for, for joining us this morning. And congratulations again, all the way around with thank your family you. and, and obviously with your career. And we want to wish you all the best out in 22, uh, 2022, mm-hmm. excuse me, on the LPGA tour. And I hope you come back uh, and, and share some of that uh, time with us as well. Come back on the show and, and share some of your experience next year.
3: Oh, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed this.
2: <laughs> Have a great right. season. Take care of that baby. Okay, well, yep. I'll see you soon. see you, Ted? <laughs> All right, bye-bye.
1: bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was uh, Rachel Rohana. Uh, our latest semester graduate. And I didn't mention this in the beginning, but we're going to be entering here in just a moment uh, in uh, the no BS zone. We're going to talk about five ways to improve your short game. But first, we're going to take a quick message break, and then we'll be right back.
0: The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine.
1: Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. And just before we, uh, Cindy, before we enter into the no BS zone, I just wanted to make a, a couple of quick announcements. Um, we're going to be off the next couple of weeks. Next week, obviously, being Thanksgiving. And then uh, the following week, uh, I've got some things going on. So we're not going to do a show then. Um, so we'll have just a, probably a couple more shows before we close off for the season. Our last show is going to be uh, December 14th. Uh, That's going to be the last show of this season for the women of golf. And then we'll be firing up again after an extended break. So we can get ready for next season. February 8th will be our first show uh, coming in next season. So 14th of December will be our last show this year. And February 8th of 2022 will be our first show coming into the new season. So uh, I'm looking forward to a little bit of a break, Cindy. um, I know you... uh, uh, like to have some off time as well and spend time with your family and things like that. But um, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's always nice to, to get a little bit of a break and throat gets a little scratchy as the season goes on. And and um, I'm looking for. I'm excited for it. And I know you don't believe this, but we are going to be in season nine next year. Season nine. I
2: still don't believe it. I don't believe I'm it. I'm
1: telling you. I'm telling you. Add them up. Add them up uh the other program i do golf talk live i'm going to be in season 10 um so it's hard to believe that i can talk that long but you know better right cindy you know i can so uh i think i'll i think i'll make it another season for both shows all right we're going to uh slip into the, as i say the no bs zone we're going to talk about five ways to improve your uh golf short game this is an area cindy that i think a lot of um, people really need to focus on and there's some things particularly you know when it comes to chip and, and and chipping and pitching particularly and one of the first ones that i think cindy when it comes to especially chip shots, um, you know we often hear about well, how do we you know what do we do with the hands and how how do we do everything here you know with a full shot uh... what a lot of golfers make a mistake is with their with their short shots like a chip shot is they they have too tight of a grip. They tend to put that death grip on there. And Mm -hmm. unlike your full shots where, uh, again, you don't want to have a death grip, but you need to hold on because you're swinging a much greater distance and a much faster speed, chip shots are a little more finesse. So where would you rate or what do you think here, Cindy, on a scale if you were to go from 1 to 10, uh, 10 being the the lightest, um, where do you think your grip pressure should be? Sort of fall around. What do you think for for chip shots? I'm talking about probably a five. Yeah, yeah, four between four and five, because um, that takes a lot of the tension out. And and for you, Cindy, was there was there any, you know, was there anything that you yourself maybe personally struggled with when it came to chip shots? I mean, it's it's obviously much easier than the full swing, but what were some of the things? Do you recall earlier on? Obviously, I'm talking about in your career. Um, that you had to make some adjustments and say, okay, you know what, I want to become a better chipper. Grip obviously was one that you recognized, but what were some other things that you can think of?
2: Relax your arms. My tendency is to stiffen up my arms and then I gun it. Mm -hmm. And when you gun it, you're going flying over the green, and you definitely do not want to do that. So I would say relax your arms and your hands and try to feel the club head because mm-hmm. it's it's a tempo it's you know it's a feel thing if i were just going to stand there and toss a ball with my right hand for me because i throw with my right if i were just going to toss a mm-hmm. ball and i wanted it to end by the hole how much oomph would i get it give it so i think that's the biggest issue is to figure out if i were just going to toss a ball gently to the hole how would i do it and that's how you want to swing the club when I see yep. a lot of my students try to help it get to the hole, and you can't do that. You've got to think about where do I want this to land and then run up to the hole. How about you?
1: Right. I'm the same way, and, and I, I agree with the grip pressure. You know, I try to get you know in around that four or five, uh, and I forget sometimes. Sometimes I, I find myself gripping it a little bit too tight and I can feel that tension, and I, that's the first thing that I noticed. I said, oh, I, I can feel the tension, so I ease off a little bit. Um, and, and I think that you, you have, it is it's more of a finesse shot. You know, you're not hitting it full distance. A lot of times you might be just off the green, and you want to chip it. The, the pin might be cut in the back, and, and you've managed to fall a little bit short on the front, but you've got a, some running area. Some people might want to pull out their putter, depending on how close you are. Uh, but sometimes a chip shot, you want to, you know, if you've got a long distance to get to the back of the green, sometimes a chip shot's uh, a, a good option. And but again, you, you want to have a, the soft feel in your hands uh, because once tension creeps in, then you're you're sticking it into the ground. Uh, I'm talking about the club uh, face. And the other thing is, which falls into number two, is you want to allow your body to rotate. Something I've seen, and, and you may see this a lot. And obviously, it's going to vary depending on the length of the chip. And we're going to stick with chips for a second here, uh, but we'll see that where they kind of have, there's no lower body movement. Now, you're obviously not going to move it like you would uh, in a full shot, but there is some body movement. Um, if you just have like just arms, uh, again, you're not going to hit very solid uh, chip shots. So you've got to kind of feel um, as your your arms rotate back, your body's going to move slightly, uh, again, depending on the distance. And then you want to kind of feel like there's a trigger and... For me, and maybe this may be the same for you, is I want to kind of feel that right knee, because uh, I play right-handed, as you do, uh, I want to feel it sort of moving towards my left knee as sort of a trigger for the downswing. Um, and this uh, kind of frees up the body. So there is some body movement. It's not like a full swing, but there is some body movement. Um, and, you know, once you kind of get that, that feel in and you've got a good grip pressure in that, you'd be surprised at how accurate. Um and how consistent your chipping is gonna become. What about you on that? Do you get a little bit uh body rotation in there as well?
2: I do not try to move my body. I try to keep all my weight on my left foot. Depends on the size mm-hmm. of the shot or the swing. And the size of sure. the swing determines how far the ball goes. But if I'm right up next to the green I try to keep all my weight on my left foot and no body right. rotation at all. So it again, it depends if I'm going 50 yards, then yeah, there's a
1: little bit, but I'm not trying to move my body. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you just got a short little chip, um, if you start moving into more of a pit shot, that type of thing, of course, you're going to have to involve the body a little bit more. So uh, again, it's something that this is things that people need to work on in their practice sessions, not just when they're with, you know, their teacher or coach like you or, or myself, but when they're on their own, these are things that they should be working on because, um, you know, the the more consistent of a chipper and pitcher you, uh, of the ball you can uh, be, the the more successful you're going to be in your rounds. Because that's where people lose, you know, 100 yards in, that's where everybody's losing most of their shots. I'd say 50 plus percent of all the strokes that they lose is within that range. Uh, most people can you know, hit a decent tee shot. Most people can hit it down the fairway, uh, you know, once or even twice if they need be, depending on the distance they're hitting. Uh, But around the greens and, you know, 75 to 100 yards out, that's where everybody's missing the boat. Um, Tempo, finding the right tempo as well. Um, You know, this is something, uh, again, uh, you kind of alluded to a, a few moments ago, and that is, you know, having too much speed. It's more of a finesse shot and you get people just sort of jerking, you know, through that motion. Cindy, you see, I know a lot of people in your pro M's that you've played in where you see that, where they're just kind of, it's a jerking motion or they're trying to rush through the process, and the next thing you know, the ball's flying on the other side of the green and and well past their target. Um, What do you do? Is there anything that you think about to kind of keep your tempo in line?
2: Again, it's it's that thought of, if I was just going to swing my arms and toss a ball, How would I Mm -hmm. get this ball close to that hole? How much effort would I need to give it? How fast should I swing? It's not a distinctive effort of kill. It's kind of a tempo of da-dump, da-dump. And Mm -hmm. and I think that if our students or listeners think those thoughts, it will make it much easier to get the ball close to the hole because the tempo is very, very important. Just, again, the lie determines how hard you have to hit it as well. If you've got a great lie in the middle of the <clears throat> fairway or on the fringe of the green, you know, swing back, toss through, and try to – in fact, maybe you should practice just tossing balls. And, you know, toss a couple balls, try to get them to end close to the hole, and then put a club in your hand and do the same thing. And my guess is it's going to get way closer than it would have had you not tried to do that.
1: hmm yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and number four is take advantage of the bounce. This is something else, too, especially when we're talking more along your, your pitch shots here. Uh, people forget about that. The bounce, of course, is not your leading edge, but it's the uh, the back edge, if you will, of, of the club face. And uh, obviously the bounce varies depending on what, what – uh, if you're playing with wedges, for instance um, – you know, your, your uh, pitching wedge is, is going to have one. Your sand wedge is going to have a little bit less. Uh, but they play a factor. And a lot of people, what I see um, them doing is when they're setting up for, for maybe a, even a 50- a or 70-yard pitch shot, is they move their hands way too far forward. They play the ball way back in their stance. And what ultimately ends up happening is, first off, they don't make a very effective backswing, but then they end up sticking the club in the ground um use the bounce when you're when you're setting up the club shaft should be pretty much in your hand should be lined up with the club head so in other words if the ball if you're playing the ball in the middle of your stance as an example then that shaft should maybe lean slightly forward but not very much because you want the bounce to to come in there and that's something too that a lot of amateur golfers i think make a mistake what, what do you think
2: again i think it depends on the lie. I think if Mm -hmm. you're really off hard pan um, Mm -hmm. in Florida with dead Bermuda, you may have to use the leading edge. If you're in the rough, you may want to use the bounce, which means put the grip back towards the middle of yourself, kind of. And the bounce Mm -hmm. is the big, fat glob of metal on the bottom of the head (laughs) of a sand wedge. (laughs) And it makes yeah. the leading edge not be on the ground, the leading right. edge of the of the face. So some people, I don't know that everyone's really ever been taught about bounce, but, but you're right. No. It depends on the lie and then where the shaft is pointing. If You don't want it way in front of your front leg because then you're going to use the right. leading edge. If you put your hands back and let the club sit back, almost like it's laying back on its belly, um, then the bounce will be you be able to be used.
1: Yeah, and, and just one final thing I want to mention about this, because I see this a lot, um, and perhaps you have as well. You know, a lot of times we'll see somebody with a very tight lie, and not necessarily, it's not hard pan, but just a very tight lie in front of the green, and they use a wedge or a club with a lot of bounce. And a lot of times what happens, they end up blading the shot. The reason being is because when that bounce uh, the club makes contact with the ground, it's going to do exactly what it says. It's going to sort of bounce uh, right into the back of the ball. So you want to make sure that you get the right ball position, but you also want to make sure that you're not, if you're going to use a wedge shot to kind of uh, flop it up there, you want to make sure that you use a wedge that does not have, uh, and, and again, if you if you place your the, the club face of your wedge um, in your hand, in the palm of your hand, if you hold it up in front, you've got the club shaft going up, you'll see that some clubs, some of your wedges from your 52 degree wedge, let's say if that's uh, uh, your pitching and your 60 degree wedge, you'll see that the 60 degree wedge has very little bounce compared to a 52 degree. So if you're up in that that front little collar of the green and you're using a 52 degree wedge, then you definitely don't want to engage the bounce because it's going to basically, as I said, skip into the back of the ball. So those are things that you need to get out and practice. And that's the only way you're going to discover these things. And that's th- something that you need to next time you go uh, and take lessons. That, those are things that you can talk to your, your teacher professional about because they're going to be able to explain this and they're going to show you the difference and how it works and put put all that together for you. So those are things that are important. And again, we see so many people that don't think of these things or don't understand these things and they keep wondering why they're making the same mistake. So don't be afraid. Those are questions that you should never be afraid to ask your professionals. Say, you know, I don't really understand how the bounce of the club works. Can you explain it to me? Uh, And they'll be more than happy to do that. Um, The other thing, number five, is focusing on your left arm. So when it comes to chipping and pitching tips, this one could be, uh, I think, one of the most important. um, And again, if you're a right-handed golfer, it's going to be opposite. If you're a left-handed golfer, uh, but your your control really does come from, uh, and some may agree or disagree, it comes from your left arm when you chip. So, for instance, if you know if you aim for a dimple on the back of the ball and then you try to hit it with the center of your club face, you want to let your left arm and hand and wrist lead the way through. Now, obviously, your right hand is going to be engaged as well. But um, what often happens, and, and Cindy, you may feel differently about this what i often see is people engage too much of the right hand and what ends up happening is they push it through and they end up closing the club face too early and either skull it or do some other funky thing with it um, you want to kind of feel that that leading arm in this case the left arm is sort of leading through the golf swing and the hand, the right hand is sort of coming along for the ride and it does play a role don't get me wrong um, but if it overpowers the shot that's where I think you find a lot of problems. What do you think about that? Do you agree with that, or do you have a different take on it?
2: I believe, you know, you want the club head to come back to the bottom of the arc so that you Mm -hmm. can hit the shot clean. I believe that if either hand overtakes, if the left pulls through, the ball's going to go way Mm -hmm. right. If the right Mm -hmm. flips it over and swings left, if you're right-handed in this Mm -hmm. instance, then it's going to go left. So needless to say, you want to bring the club back to where it started, which hopefully is square to dress, and then Mm -hmm. shallow, if you will, so that you can hit it clean. Uh, If the left pulls through too tight, you're going to hit it fat. So I think you need to be able to feel where the head is on on the club and bring that club head back to where it started. And I believe if you relax both hands and arms, you can allow the club head to swing, and therefore you can hit it
1: clean. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Well said. Um, So in in short, just to to quickly wrap up, you want to, if you want to be able to take your short game to the next level, you you have to, there's really no such thing as spending too much time uh, on the short game. Um, And and I know a lot of people might think out there, and obviously we didn't talk about putting, we've talked about putting before. Um, That's in there as well. But this is really more for chipping and pitching. These are some things that you can uh, be working on. But, and I know it may not seem as exciting or thrilling as, as blasting it off the tee with your driver uh, or, or some other uh, hybrid or, or a, a fairway wood, um, But if you want to improve your scoring, lower your scores, and the ultimate thing is you want to have fun and you want to enjoy the game. And if you're just blasting it off the tee, but then the rest of your game you know, doesn't sort of measure up the snuff, then you're not really going to enjoy it. Your handicap's going to either balloon up or it's going to stay the same. It's never going to improve and you're just not going to have fun and the next thing you know, you're like, oh, well, why, do I, why am I playing this game? I don't I ever seem to be improving. Well, that's the reason why. Is you're not focusing on areas of the game that are really going to help you dial in and score better. And Cindy, I think this is something, again, not to pick on our, our amateurs and, and pro-am partners and things like that, but this is something that we see. And Obviously, there's some better ones out there, but we see sometimes out there with our amateurs that they're just they're so busy raking and hitting balls on the range, and then they might go over and get on the putting surface and tap a few here and there, and then they're running out on the, on the course to play their round, and they really haven't done a very good warm-up. They haven't really practiced areas that are going to benefit them out in the golf course. So when you're working with students, Cindy, what are some of the things that you say to them to, to encourage them or to you know get them more excited about working on some of the things we just talked about?
2: It's really funny, when I asked Rachel what you would say to a young person who wants to turn pro. Fail early, fail often, fail forward. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that, again, when someone makes a commitment to play, as clearly she has, and losing her card and having a baby, I mean, a normal person would say, "Well, maybe I'm not supposed to do this." And that's not right. what went through her head at all. She admitted it. Right. She just said, "Oh, this is going to be fun traveling with a baby and having my husband own his own <laughs> business. he's not going to come with me." and you know, it would disrupt anyone else's life. So what I would say to our listeners is, that, "Are you committed to play this game until you can't?" And if that's the case, you have to be willing to look in the mirror, as she did. She said, you know, I only made $5,000 my first year on the LPGA Tour and said, holy cow, i got Mm -hmm. a lot of things i got to improve, which is what this game is about. It's why am I here, what do I want, and how can I get it? And if you're having issues scoring, then I would say look in the mirror, evaluate your rounds, How many fairways, greens, and putts do you have? Where can you find shots? When I get done playing around at golf, I evaluate. Let's say you're laying in bed and you can't go to sleep. Okay, let's say I shot 76 today. Well, how could I have shot 72? Where did I lose? Where can I find four shots? That's what I would say to myself. Now, if you're willing to do that, then you might say, well, if I hit my driver 200 yards, and I'm 60 years old and I play once a week, there's no way you're going to hit a 250 unless you mm-hmm. start doing something drastically different. Now, could you? Yes, maybe. But wh- that's not the easiest place to find shots. Let's say you need to hit something off the ground in the fairway that consistently goes 175. Well, maybe you need a seven wood, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you need a five wood, yep. not your three wood. And so you're going to say, "Well, I got to hit my driver further." Well, that's not the easiest place to find a shot. Maybe you're right. you're knocking it within 20 yards of the green and you always make bogey. Well, let's time to look in the mirror. Maybe you need to get that 20-yard yep. chip shot within 15 feet so you two putt or one putt. Maybe you can learn to get it up and down. Well, if you got yep. five shots up and down, and you bogeyed the rest of the holes, you just shot eighty five. Well that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So that's very good. I believe that our 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 listeners and our students need to evaluate their rounds in a better way, if you will. Mm-hmm. And if they do that then I think that they can improve their score without making drastic changes in their swings. Or their body or trying yeah. to hurt themselves, trying to hit it twenty yards farther
1: yeah and I think that that 's exactly right and very well put uh, and I think that 's why it 's important for people to work instead of working from the T to green, working from the green backwards because once you work back and and, and get an idea of okay where do I want to be how where do I want to be sitting in in my approach to the green and where do I want to you know what 's my ideal yardage so you need to understand that. What am I comfortable with if I'm hitting a wedge in or, or whatever the case is? And, you know, where do I need to make sure my second shot's going to be? And if you're not a long ball hitter, I mean, obviously those are things you can work on over time, um, but you might have to break it up. And instead of trying to get there in two every time, you might have to get there in three. So you're right. I mean, that's not to say that you don't want to work on driving the ball better, but, but people work it the, from the wrong end. They're trying, well, okay, I'm hitting it, you know, 205, and if I can just hit another 20 yards – So they're buying equipment thinking they're going to do that or they're working a little harder. And maybe it might be somewhere else in the process that's going to make up those yardages, as you said. And it may not always be off the tee. A lot of times it's not off the tee. And I think that people just – they get so caught up in all the the thought process of I've got to hit it farther. I've got to hit it farther. And it may not be that at all. It may be just – a different club selection, it may be just a different strategy. There's a lot of things that factors, and those are things that you have to work on. And if you don't pay attention to those things, as you just pointed out, then you get to a situation where the frustration level just keeps getting up because you're never never seeing the results that you want. So that's where I think uh, doing a good assessment early in the year um, and and being assessed throughout the year to see what progress you're making. Don't just do it at the beginning of the year, but get an idea so your your coach or your teacher professional can get an idea of where things are currently at. And then throughout the season, um, you know, depending on how often you're going, you may want to be assessed again and say, okay, how you know we've been working together now for two months. Where are things at? What improvement? What areas are we proving at? Where do we still need to work on? And I think once you do that and have sort of a game plan. Um, moving forward, you're going to start seeing better results. But if you're just going out to the range and you're just trying to see if I can belt my driver an extra 10 or 15 yards, if that's all you're going to do, you're never going to improve, at least from my uh, thought process. Uh, And I think you probably agree, but um, I think that was good. I do. uh, Yeah, I I think we, we gave them some good advice, some good things to work on. And again, we appreciate a very special guest. Just a, again, a quick uh, note, uh, we're going to be off the next two weeks, uh, Thanksgiving being next week, and the other uh, week would be the 30th of November. So there's no more shows November. We'll be back on December 7th uh, and 14th. December 7th, we're going to be joined by Mike Nichols, the Chief Business Officer from uh, the Sumetra LPGA Tour. He's going to be coming on and giving us a wrap-up of the Symmetra Tour season, just letting us know... Uh, uh, what happened this year, uh, some ups and downs, and what's, uh he's got cooking moving forward. So he's going to be joining us on the 7th, and then the 14th will be our last show of this year, as I mentioned earlier. And then we'll be back at it uh, after an extended break uh, February 8th to come back out to kick next year's season off. So, Cindy, uh, I think that's it. I think we can wrap up another successful show, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks.
2: Sounds good. Have a great week.
1: All right. Happy Thanksgiving to the Miller family. (laughs) You too. All right. Thanks, everybody.
0: Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.